Good evening, Demon fans, and welcome to the Demonland podcast. My name is Andy, and tonight we have a special treat for you. In a moment, we'll be airing the interview we conducted with Melbourne Football Club's General Manager of Football Operations, Josh Marnie, to discuss Trade Week and other areas that Josh oversees at the club. If you'd like to join our program tonight after the interview to discuss any of the topics that we're going to talk about after that, uh, you can call us on 0390163366 or you can Skype us at DemonLand31. If you're listening to the show live, you can join us in our chat room where you can ask questions or post comments by heading over to demonland.com slash podcast. If you're listening to this at your leisure via SoundCloud on demonland.com or via iTunes or an Android podcasting app, be sure to subscribe to the show to receive updates when a new show drops. Don't forget to leave us a favourable review, and that can help us help more people find us. Uh, You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash demonland31, on Twitter at demonland, on Instagram at demonland31, or YouTube, you can search for Demonland Podcast and you can get to listen to some of the interviews that we've conducted with current and past players, coaches and officials. Or if you just love talking about the Ds like us 24-7 all year round, why not join up to demonland.com and chat with other Demon fans. It's completely free. Now, with all that out of the way, here's uh, Josh. Josh Marnie, thanks for taking the time to join us on the Demonland Podcast. Uh, Dermot Brereton said we won the trade period, but Terry Wallace gave us a C plus. Uh, if you're marking your own work, how how would you rate uh, our performance during trade week? Uh, first of all, Andrew Jason, thanks for having me on your show. Um, yeah, everyone's got different opinions on trade periods, and I think you can get caught up looking at everyone's ratings. And in the end, all that we can do is we went into a trade period wanting to address a few things on our list. And we walk away saying that all those have been addressed. And you know, I think I've spoken about previously, we were a bit nervous uh, last year with uh, Max Gorn as our only ruckman. We needed a, a mature age ruckman to come in and play and to um, bring Braden Proust in uh, was a good uh, good for us. Uh, also, we need some outside run. And Kay Colin Jasney had been targeted for, for a period of time. So we think he's able to come in and play that role. And when um, Jesse was indicating he wants to return to Perth, we looked at our options and when we thought that Stephen May was available, uh, we think he's exactly the type of player we need back in our defence. So, you know, in terms of ratings, we think it was a positive trade period for us and that's all we really look for every year. Uh, to us on the outside, uh, it seems some clubs are almost obsessed with uh, winning individual trades uh, while others take a more holistic approach and look at the bigger picture. Is that a fair assessment? Are, are clubs like Essendon harder to deal with? Oh, you can get caught up during trade period, uh, like you said, trying to win every individual trade. And you see um, some draft picks get exchanged that uh, people scratch their heads at different times. But I think our attitude through the, all the trade periods and why we've been able to get deals done is that we look at the trade period in totality. And as I've mentioned before, it's going there with a, a strategy, who we want to get. Uh, we want to improve our draft position as well. We're able to do that. So I think you can get caught up if you go trade by trade. Yeah, there's some that people on the outside might say you win. Some people say you might uh, lose in others. But in the end, for us, it's the overall trade period. So, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting time dealing with some clubs. Um, and some clubs have got different philosophies which hold up trades and make them uh, get longer to get done. But uh, that's part of being in a competition with uh, 17 other clubs. 
uh, Josh, so much of what happens in Trade Week is now played out in the media. How accurate, how accurate is the picture that the fans get through things like trade radio? Um, we heard with the Jesse Hogan situation, we were told that Frio had dropped out of the race. I'm guessing we only hear a small fraction of what's really going on behind the scenes. Um, some's accurate and some isn't. And that's probably why it's difficult as a club that you can't get caught in reacting to all the media reports because once you react to one and say that's not true, it, when when you don't respond, you're almost assuming that it is true. So yep. our approach is we talk when there's something to say. Um, and yes, we want to keep our supporters and members updated as much as possible, but you know, we certainly don't want to get in giving daily updates as well because uh, there's a lot of work getting done behind the scenes to get deals done. And there could be um, times when any sort of media announcement can actually impact the deal getting done. And, and obviously our supporters and members don't want that. So some are accurate and some aren't. Um, some clubs like to play things through the media at different stages. Again, we like to just tell things how it is, uh, just be honest if uh, the deals we're looking to get done, but we certainly don't want to give um, any information that might inhibit a deal getting done or a player of interest. Uh, speaking about, about that sort of the backroom stuff, uh, just, just, can you take us through the um, the mechanics of how Trade Week works? It's a busy week. Uh, are you the only one taking calls and meetings? Who else is in the team and, and what does each do? Um, take the, the Jesse Hogan trade. You were dealing with Fremantle, but it was also the Gold Coast trade for Stephen May was reliant on that. Who's speaking to who? Is it all just you or, or are there other people involved? No, probably first of all, it's certainly not all me. Uh, we've got a, a team of people uh, doing some work and um, you know, the role that I play uh, within that is is ultimately a lot of the decisions have to go through me in, in the role that I'm in. But fortunately, we've got a team of people who are so experienced in their role. Uh, Jason Taylor, Todd Viney, uh, Tim Lambs moved into a really important role with our, our trade period now. Um, Simon Goodwin, uh, Brendan McCartney's uh, also on our list management team. Uh, David Chippendall from Finance. So it's a really a, a group and a team effort and we all play our, our roles within trade period. Uh, mine really is to be uh, represent the club and to be the voice of cl- the club for, for media and updates, uh, as we've mentioned earlier, and also to be involved in all those sort of conversations with clubs. But uh, Tim Lamb would be our main person who's the contact uh, with other clubs. So he's the guy doing a lot of the groundwork early days, uh, a lot of the work during the season, along with Todd Viney and Jason Taylor. So a lot goes into the trade week, but um, a lot of it is, is about preparation before that week and conversations have started for next year's trade week already. So planning um, allows us to get a lot of things done, and that planning happens throughout the year. Uh, when did the club become aware that Jesse might want to go home? Uh, and at that point, did you try and persuade him to stay, or did you quickly decide to make the best of the situation and use it as leverage? Uh, on something else? There's probably been a conversation at the end of every year with Jesse probably for the last two or three years. And um, he's been he's looked at it at different stages but decided to stay. And for the first time uh, at the end of this year in a uh, conversation with Simon Goodwin at the end of the year, he indicated that uh, if we could get a deal done, his preference would be to return to Perth. So it was probably then that uh, it was indicated to us. Um, and we said to Jesse all along, as I've said, publicly is we'll see if we can get a deal done but if we can't um he was happy to stay and we're happy to to still have him um as a melbourne player as well but as it worked out it worked out the best thing for jesse and and for us uh the deal was an interesting deal in the end um 
probably with Stephen May becoming available. We didn't think he'd be available until another 12 months. And as soon as there was a chance that he may be leaving Gold Coast, that played a role in us um, and looking to get a deal done uh, with Jesse and the way it all panned out. Yes, we had to wait on other deals and it was uh, extremely frustrating, but uh, really happy with the result in the end. Um, it's been said that we'd been interested in May for a while. How far back does that uh, go? Um, did you have a number of different strategies uh, to try and get him to the club if the Hogan trade uh, didn't eventuate? Uh, not really for uh, this trade period. Uh, we didn't have any other strategies because uh, in the end we, we knew we had to give up a, a good pick um, for Stephen and, and uh, we, don't, we didn't have a first-round pick. Uh, with our trade that we did for Jake Lever uh, last year. So there wasn't really any other strategies to get him in this year, and that was probably a key part as well. That right now, uh, he indicated that Melbourne was the club that he wanted to join. Uh, you look forward into he turns into a free agency next year. Again, and uh, all the clubs are back in the market. And while we thought we had a competitive advantage this trade period, we thought we had to maximise that. Um, and so that was an important factor for us. But with all players, you know, Kate Collajesny was followed from his draft year. You know, he's been out up in Gold Coast for five years. So our recruiters liked him in his draft year. So that gives an indication of, of how long we follow players. Um, and if we've done a lot of research on players during the, the recruiting process that we already have a fair idea of the type of characters they are. We then would meet with them again post-season. And, um, yeah, it probably depends on the player how many years work we've done on it. But it's not something that's brought up at a list management meeting at the end of the year, and then we go and do it. There's a lot of planning that goes into that. Uh, Josh, in the final wash-up, we were able to secure a couple of picks in the 20s as well. How important was it to trade up closer to the top of the draft? And is that something you set out with... Uh, is that a goal you set set out with, uh, you know, in mind at the start of the trade week? Yeah, going at the start of the trade period, that was uh, something we wanted. We wanted to get a couple of picks in the second round, and... Uh, potentially move into the first round. Um, but, yeah, we think if that, that range we're in now, we've picked 23 and, and 28, uh, there'll be some good players in that range for us. And our recruiting team have, have shown um, to pick some really good players, not only in that range, but in the, the latter part of um, the draft as well. So we've got a lot of confidence in the work that our recruiting team do and the type of players they bring in. And you just have to think to last year with Charlie Spargo and Bailey Fritz being second-round picks, so um, although we're not promising 18 games and 24 games out of out of those two uh, those players, uh, there'll be second rounders. We think there'll be good players uh, within that range for us. And the guys are doing a lot of work now um, on those players. Uh, this says something different this year with the draft. The ability to uh, to live trading to happen on on draft night, which um, be interesting to see how clubs approach that. And we're certainly prepared for a few different options that that might come on that up uh, on that night. Uh, when it comes to the question of taking a punt on a younger player in the draft or going for a known uh, quantity via free agency or the trade table, is there an overarching philosophy that governs the process or is it all assessed on a case-by-case basis? And does that change depending on uh, where the club is in its cycle uh, with, with us being arguably being in our premiership window right now? Oh, they'll probably take an hour to answer that question <laughs> um, because it's... It's, um, it's, it's a number of different factors, uh, and you've touched on a few of them. Um, you know, if you look at our, our history of trades and how we've approached the draft over the last five years, uh, there was a period when we were down the, the bottom of the ladder. We had high draft picks that our approach was to maximise our, our drafting opportunity, and we wanted to get some, a lot of top 10 picks in, which we were able to do, I think there's about eight top 10 picks over a four-year period. And as our uh, team matured, 
were able to bring in uh, as our sorry that was a lot of the young players want to get some young talent to, to come in and play together and then over the past few years we've been able to bring some more mature age players again we've been able to trade second round picks at different stages for players like Bernie Vince, Jake Melcham, uh, Sam Frost and, and Michael Hibbert um, to name a few that have, that have come in over that time so it does change depending on, on where your list is at um, you have to be aware of that. In terms of uh, preferences, we've got a, a lot of qualities we look for in a player and we take the date of birth away when we're looking for that. Um, in the end, if it's an 18-year-old that ticks the criteria compared to a 23-year-old, a 28-year-old, uh, we'll just bring those players in if we think they can play a role and to help us get better uh, each year. Uh, Josh, just tell us a little bit about Braden Press. Uh, it seems counterintuitive that a ruckman looking for more opportunities would go to the club with the games. Uh, number one, Ruckman, but Melbourne must obviously have a plan for him um, uh, to lure him over. And, and as you said earlier, Max certainly needs the support. Yeah, I'm not sure why there's such discussion about it. Um, I always would like to learn off the best um, in whatever job I'd go into. And that was Braden's approach. He wanted to learn the ruck craft off the best player. And um, that is Max Gorn at the moment. And when Max caught up with Braden and he was part of our presentation, uh, Max wants to develop Braden as well and he, uh, he liked that idea. He liked the idea of having a, a ruck coaching Greg Stafford to work with him as well. And you know, He's still only a young player. Uh, he started late. He was from Queensland originally. Uh, he's been in the system now for, for three or four years and he feels like he's still got a number of years of development left in him and we certainly feel that way as well. Uh, what it does give for us is some flexibility and how we want to use Max through the year. You know, he played every game this year. Uh, which was a credit to his, his preparation in his pre-season. But you know, we like the flexibility to be able to play Braden at different stages within the team. There'd be stages where we may play two rucks, there'd be stages where you know, Max might play forward for different stages. Um, and we think that Braden gives that flexibility for us. So we thought it was great for the club that he chose to come here, but it's also a real positive move for Braden as well uh, in his development as a, as a ruckman. Yeah, uh, Josh, moving away from trade talk and onto a couple of other issues, um, we've had a spate of foot injuries uh, in the past couple of years. Was that just bad luck or does the club really need to review things like the surface of Gosh's paddock uh, or the way players uh, were training? Oh, that's the period we've been in for the last uh, month and a half, really, is reviewing all our programs. Um, and, and one of the things you look at is, is injuries and if there's any trends in injuries. Um, in relation to foot injuries, there has been a trend across the competition, um, which is not just for us. So it's something that we're looking at and we think there's a, a few um, little triggers that we have to address. But overall, some of it um, is a bit of bad luck with particular players. You can't really um, get rid of every injury. Uh, our injuries overall were very good this year. Uh, we It was probably our injury games were dominated only by five or six players. And apart from that, we had you know, a lot of players play every game this year. I think about seven played every game. And over 13 or 14 played uh, over 20 games for the season um, to be available to AFL, VFL. So overall, our, our injuries were very good for the year. It was just some key players that missed crucial times. And that's obviously the main thing that we want with our high-performance team is to get our best players available um, every game. So part of the review was foot injuries, but that comes into an overall review, which looks at everything, looks at where our progress in hamstrings, looks at our progress with our first and second year players, how good it was that they were able to play a number of games. And um, so that's all part of our reviewing process. You know, in terms of Gosh's paddocks, it's a terrific surface. We've had a period of time, but you know, we played a number of different venues. So it's 
it's all things are, are factored into it, and we'd love to have every player available every week. Uh, reality is you're probably going to have 100 injuries for the year, injury games lost, and we got to make sure that we do the best we can uh, to make sure our players are available as much as we can. Uh, Josh, you came to the club in 2008. You've endured uh, the darkest of the dark years along with the rest of us. How was it for you personally to see, uh, to finally see some reward last season? And tell us about your emotions uh, watching and celebrating those two finals wins. Yeah, it has been a, a uh, interesting time that I've been at Melbourne Footy Club, and it's been uh, personally great for me to to be on that journey with the club. And I've learned a lot through that period and uh, the opportunity they, uh, the club first gave me as an assistant coach to Dean Bailey, and then moving into administration and uh, to take on the the extra roles and responsibilities that I've been able to do each year is um, uh, it's been uh, you know, great that the club has looked after me in that way. Uh, my best moment this year was really standing up probably in the coach's box just before the Geelong game, uh, the first final. And you know, I really enjoyed looking out of the coach's box and seeing a huge crowd there and predominantly Melbourne. And then to see the excitement on people's faces and then to see the way we played and the way we attacked the game. Uh, it started to show that that's a plan we put in place from 2013 is we wanted to play a tough uh, brand of footy that would stand up in finals. We want to put together a young, exciting list and that sort of, that came, all came together on that night. Um, so it was a really proud moment, but you know, it's it's only just really the start for us. And you know, we want to be a, a team that is, is playing in finals every year and it's just the start for us. And our approach basically since... We were knocked out in the uh, final against West Coast. Is how can we get better? Uh, how can we get better in, in every area of the club? How can we uh, get our list to be better? How can every staff member get better? And uh, We liked the little taste that we had. It tasted pretty good, and we want to continue that. So going into the 2019 season, how hard is it going to be to keep the players focused and hungry and not fall into that trap uh, that it's just going to happen? Uh, is that a risk with a young and experienced list? Uh, not hard at all. Um, you know, the discussions that we had at the end of the season, uh, every player to a man spoke as I spoke previously about this is just the start of something and they see so much improvement in them individually but also as a team. And if it's an indication of how many players have been coming into the club in this off-season, you know, on Friday we probably had 15 or 16 come in uh, when they're supposed to be on holiday. So if there's any indication already of the way the guys have approached their rehab, either from injury or the way they're approaching their off-season programs. Uh, we haven't got any hint of it at all. And, um, you know, I, I think f- everyone from the coaching staff, uh, the off-field staff, recruiters and the players um, are really keen to make sure that was the start of something. So no hint of that at all. But uh, we certainly want to hit on it if we see it uh, drifting in at any stage into anyone's mindset. Can you give us a bit of an update on sort of the, the players who were, uh, you know, recovering from post-season operations? Um, you know, Clary's had the two shoulders operated on uh, and also perhaps uh, Jake Lever's uh, recovery and return. Yeah, so we had a few uh, post-season operations. I think it was about 13 or 14 in the end. Um, there's quite a few shoulders that were done. And uh, as you mentioned, Clayton, all had two shoulders. Uh, he actually brought forward his second shoulder operation by a couple of weeks just to get him over and done with. And right. He's back. Uh, he'll be running tomorrow. It'll be his first run. Uh, all other play- A lot of other players, Jack Viney, Christian Petrarca, uh, James Harms, uh, have all started running this week. Billy Stretch as well. So they're all uh, progressing really well. Jake Levers uh, just going through his different rehab. Um, I think it was he started running 
at the end of the season. He's just been progressing his running. In terms of return date, uh, we won't be rushing him back at any stage. So we haven't got real definitive timelines uh, for him, but he's progressing really well and has had uh, no hiccups um, in his uh, rehab. He'll be going over to America to do an intensive uh, rehab with his knee, uh, similar to what Christian Petrarca did uh, at a similar time through his knee rehab. So he'll be doing that in January. And we think when he comes back from there, he'll be you know, starting to really build up and, and start doing some more training. So overall, everyone who's had operations are recovering well. And I'd see no one being inhibited in terms of starting uh, any pre-season uh, games or round one, apart from Jake Lever. Uh, Josh, we've got two last questions for you. Um, you spoke earlier about uh, your time as an assistant coach and now moving more into an administrative and oversight role. Uh, can you see yourself in the CEO's job one day? Uh, and did you have your hat in the ring to replace Peter Jackson? Uh, yeah, I think um, you know, I was part of that, that process and it was uh, great to be invited into that um, process and good for, for me to go, go through it. Um, the CEO role is a is a different role, and it's a you know football is one component of it, but there's a lot of different um, elements that you have to understand. And I think that's my approach to my role at the moment as uh, general manager of football. As I like to know a lot of the club things and help out in different ways and understand more. So yeah, that is um, a, a pathway that that I may look at taking. Uh, but I'll also understand that my role is also getting bigger every year. Uh, the introduction of, of women's football three years ago added another element to the role. Uh, we're doing more and more work down at, at Casey uh, with our VFL team and our VFLW team. So that, again, is another project to be working on. Uh, we've got some, some work on facilities uh, projects that we're working on. So it's not as if um, I'm not getting developed and, and getting um, new things thrown at me every year. So it's, uh, it's really a perfect role for me now. I love footy. I love talking about footy and I love business. So... You know, to be able to combine those two things is, is a perfect role uh, for me at the moment. But you know, I'm still only young in terms of administration and um, just you know, uh, wrapped to have a period of time under both Paul Ruse and, and Peter Jackson. Um, in terms of mentors, you couldn't find two better mentors. And from the early interactions we've had with a, a month and a half with uh, Gary Pert, I think we're going to have the, the same relationship as well. So looking forward to learning more as we go forward. And one final question for you, Josh, and we could do a whole separate interview uh, talking about your playing days, uh, but you won a flag with the power in uh, 2004, the pinnacle of a player's career. Uh, where would a Demons Premiership uh, fit in relation to that, uh, particularly given where we've come from? Uh, yes, it's, um, I don't think you can ever go past being part of a uh, Premiership as a player. Uh, but you know, I think part of... Being uh, the premierships has been involved in the whole journey and the pathway there, and yeah, to be uh, part of something and to play a role and to see a guy like Nathan Jones or Max Gorn or Tom McDonald, Neville Jetta, uh, be part of something, yeah, that'd be a really proud moment. And in the end, that is essentially what my role is to give every player that comes to Melbourne Football Club an opportunity to win a premiership, and that's all the planning that we do. That's why we have the best coaches. That's why we have the best staff and the best programs is to give them that taste that ultimate glory, which is a premiership, and uh, it'll be a, a great moment. But as you know, in this industry, probably by the second interview, we'll be asked about what about back-to-back. So it turns <laughs> on pretty quickly, so yeah. we'll have to be ready to go again. Uh, excellent. Uh, well, we want to thank you for your time uh, today. Uh, we really appreciate it. And, um, yeah, go Dees. Um, thank you. Thanks, guys.
Well, that was uh, Josh Armani. Um, thank you to uh, Melbourne Football Club for uh, allowing uh, Josh to uh, come on the program tonight. Um, uh, Grapeviney, welcome. How are you? I'm excellent, Andy. Um, good interview with uh, with Josh. Very grateful, as you said, for his time and uh, for the club for um, supplying him. So, anything you take take away from from that interview? Well, I thought the most interesting bit was the reference to the 100 injury games that's sort of um, planned for the year or expected, um, which sort of works out, over, over, you know, over the list at about sort of two and a half um, games per player. So I'd never heard that metric before. So that's an in, it's an interesting one in terms of what the, the club expects over a season um, as part of natural attrition. Yeah, you don't, it's something you, us as supporters probably don't think about those things, but uh, obviously the club sort of keeps their eye on it. And there's so many, there's probably so many things like that, so many indicators that we just have no idea about, and that they've got their their finger on. But uh, what what uh, stood out for me, I was quite yeah. And those insights that we were going to learn um, through Bin Man, of course, uh, are now denied to us. So um, yeah, we'll take any crumbs we can get. Um, so uh, what I liked uh, about um, about the interview, um, the fact that I think he said 13 or 15 of players had come back uh, to the club already and were, were doing some stuff at the club. We all know that they get programs over the summer and they go on holidays and you, you see on their Instagram feeds them, you know, amongst going to basketball games and baseball and football, whatever they're doing. They're also um, training uh, in gyms and stuff, but it's good that some of the guys that are still here or have come back already are, are back at the club and and probably doing weights and and some extra training and uh, just love to see stuff like that. Um, you know, we appreciate that they have have to have break time and all that, but it's good to see them. You know, uh, enthusiastic and back back on the uh, on the uh, training track. Yeah, I think we got an idea from Max probably at the best and fairest. Um, I think he made sort of mention of a similar thing that quite a few players had already um, had already sort of returned in a way. Um, I noticed on Instagram quite a few players that have gone away together, Sam Wiedemann and Jake Lever um, and Alex Neil Bullen. I think I saw them going for a run and kicking a footy. So, um, you know, I suppose having advanced as far as we did uh, in the finals this year, the players had been itching to get back um, and uh, and get cracking again, I'd imagine. Yeah, and you, you want sort of play. I mean, obviously you want them to have a break and to enjoy themselves, but you also want them to come back sort of in, in uh, tip-top condition, uh, ready ready to fight it out another year. And I think the fact that we got so so close uh, last year would, um, and, you know, it was quite obviously disappointing for the players. Uh, they'd be itching to get back there and, uh, you know, sort of not, not skip a beat and get back into it. Yep. Um, so if uh, if anyone uh, listening wants to join us uh, tonight, give us a call zero three nine zero one six three triple six, or you can Skype us on Demonland thirty one, or join us in the chat room on Demonland dot com slash podcast. And um, you know, just a few things we might talk about uh, tonight. It won't be a long long show. Um, the draw came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Grapeviney, were you happy? Um, were you happy with the draw uh, as a whole? Yeah, yep, very happy. Uh, it's tough, but that's what you expect when you finish in the top part of the ladder and you get the the hard end of the draw. 
um, but it's it's good commercially. Uh, we've got a, a number of big game fixtures uh, in addition to the usual blockbusters that we've got. Um, three Friday nights, nine home games at the G. Um, I know they've made a big deal about 13 free-to-air appearances, but I had a look at last year's or this year's fixture, the 2018 fixture, and we had 13 free-to-air games this year too. So okay. uh, that's not uh, an improvement, but still pretty good nonetheless. Um, but, uh, yeah, what, do you, what, what were your thoughts? Yeah, look, uh, the one that I'll, I'll just say off the bat, it, almost every um, criticism I heard of, the, of our draw – um, you know, through uh, of the Facebook uh, comments, uh, comments on on our website, you know, people were complaining about the hard draw. Well, you've got to expect that if you finish, if we want to finish high up on the ladder, um, we're going to get those those draws. You know, what do you, what do people expect us to have a, a crap year just so we yeah. can get an easy draw and have a tilt? It doesn't work that way, um, unfortunately. Um, we'd like a fairer. Um, you know, uh, a fairer draw for everyone, meaning you either play everyone once or play everyone twice. But the twice is obviously not an option uh, due to the amount of games, unless you you dramatic, you know, you cut down the amount of teams dramatically. Uh, so that's not going to happen. And I think it's too short a year if you just play everyone once. So it's it's. I'd not... be terrible, I think, to cut the length of the footy season. Yeah. I mean, I want more footy, not less. That's right. So. Look, that, that's not going to happen. So we've got to play with the, what we're given and we finished fourth, so we're going to get the harder draw. And, you know, if we're, if we're fed income and, you know, then we should be able to beat anyone anywhere. Um, uh, yeah, I, I was disappointed. A tough, a tough draw didn't uh, – a tough draw was very good for us at the end of this season. Yeah. Um, it, uh, it stood us in good stead for the finals. Yeah, a couple of things. Look, I'd like to ditch eventually the the Darwin games. I know we get money for it, but I, you know, for me, I think once we start playing a few good seasons on end, uh, the money will come from other places, and um, uh, we can ditch those those games because we're giving up sort of that adva- an advantage. Uh, so I don't like that aspect of it. Uh, plus the travel and the return. I mean, it didn't affect us uh, this year so much, but uh, yeah, I'd like to get rid of that. Um, happy with the Friday night games, would have liked perhaps one more Friday night game, but, um, yep. uh, you know, but we'll work on that <laughs> in the coming years. Um, round one, I was a bit disappointed. I would have liked uh, to have got a bit more of a blockbuster for round one. I'm happy to play Port at home rather than have to travel round one. Um, and I'm not going to say, oh, it's an easy game and I like that, but yeah, all right, that's a good thing. But, uh, you know, Collingwood playing Geelong, I would have liked to have played either Collingwood or Geelong. And I think, you know, our, the fact that we were able to get such big crowds for our two finals, I, I think it justifies us being able to get a blockbuster round one. But uh, we'll work on that for next year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else in that draw stand out uh, for you? Look, the other thing, obviously, this uh, now we seem to be rotating the Queen's birthday home game with Collingwood, which is fair enough after um, having it exclusively for so long. Uh, obviously, it's coming in a year uh, when Anzac is also an away game against Richmond. I wouldn't be surprised if the club, um, even though... Uh, technically next year should be our Queen's birthday home game. I wouldn't be surprised if the club bypassed on that 
which would then mean we have a single uh, home game uh, public holiday uh, next year and every year thereafter. So rather than having two years off and then, uh, you know, um, yeah, yeah. missing both games one year and getting both the next, uh, I think the club would probably want it to be one home game a year, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. I would have uh, liked them to have sort of started that this year. Um Somehow, well, uh, well, it's hard to do that because we've both got yeah. that. But yeah, we swap we, with Richmond. And yeah, like if we could have had been, Queen's birthday for so long, it's hard to complain. Yeah, we're going to have to, to be able to get that back onto one and one. We're going to have to take the, the hit yep. one year. Um, and I wonder whether the club would do, would do something like that. Perhaps that's a question for Gary Purd and not Josh Marnie. Uh, it's worth doing now, though, because all three clubs are up the top of the ladder. Yeah. We're getting return fixtures against them anyway. Yep. So we're playing both Collingwood and Richmond twice next year. So do it while the return games are getting high attendances and it doesn't really matter. Um, it's not going to affect the gate next year, I would have thought, if if all clubs continued to be um, you know, somewhere near the top. Yeah, yeah. as you said, we're going to play uh, Richmond and Collingwood twice this year again. So hopefully... Um yeah, hopefully we can get big crowds. I think we play them both later in the year. So if we're all up up thereabouts, again, top four, or vying for top four, I think we play um, Richmond, then Collingwood in round 20 and then round 21, um, followed by a home game uh, against Sydney on a Friday night. Um, so if we're top four, that's three massive weeks in a row. That that, that could be uh, really good going into to finals and, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Happy, happy with happy with the draw. Um, uh, the the games that we do play. Um, I'm just having a look at the games we do play in the uh, top end. Uh, we've got um, Adelaide uh, in round eleven, and then they've on a Saturday, and then we don't play the Queen's Birthday game until the Monday. So that's probably good in terms of recovery. Um, I'm happy yep. with that. Uh, then the uh, West Coast game, we play them. I think we play the Alice game. We play them in Alice uh, later in the year, round eighteen on a Sunday. And I wasn't happy that we're then playing on the uh, we're playing on a Sunday, and then we're coming uh, to play on a Saturday against St Kilda the next week at, at Metricon. A uh, Metricon stadium, it's not Metricon. It's uh, Marvel Stadium now. Um, yeah, although Alice, um, you know, is a much more reasonable uh, climate than Darwin, so. Um, you know, getting the break is so important. And does it work out that after the Queen's birthday, is that when our buy is? Yes, it is. That's correct. Yeah. So that's Monday and, and that, we don't play that till That comes Sunday. as a result of talks between uh, AFLNT, the MFC and the AFL. And this is the whole issue about, um, about the continuation of the NT deal um, uh, and what they've had to sacrifice is having the Alice game, which was this year billed very successfully as the heart of the nation game. Um, they've had to sacrifice that as part of the Indigenous round. So um, uh, that Doug Nichols round will happen for the Darwin game rather than for the Alice game. Okay. Um, and that's to give them the buy after Darwin as opposed to after Alice. Um, yeah. Well, we don't have the. It's not the buy isn't directly. Up, it's a couple of weeks. No, we got a nine nine day break and then a long yeah. break after that. So yeah. um, that's that's pretty good scheduling. Yeah. Look, I'm I'm happy. On the whole, I'm happy. It's it is it's a tough draw, but um, 
if you're going to be contenders, then you've got to beat anyone that's uh, come that come up against. So, um, yep, I'm, um, I'm I'm happy, and we'll 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 give it a give it a bash. Um, uh, what else has been happening uh, in uh, a bit of discussion uh, about the uh, about captaincy? Yeah, yeah, I was going to bring that oh, that one up. Yep. So that that wasn't. I don't think there is any internal discussions or anything. I, I, I posted it's newspaper discussions. Yeah, it, yeah, so I posted that thread this morning, and I have a you know I like to post any any Melbourne news I'll post, and whether it's ridiculous or not. Um, so I, it's a slow news day type of article, um, and Jay Clark is is the master at uh, of. Uh, creating a fire where there's no smoke because the way he made it sound is if we've got a we the d's face a delicate captaincy call on jones well <laughs> uh, is it really i mean the guy who finished fourth in the best and fairest look he's coming to the end of his career he's got a couple years left um I, I, you wouldn't strip him of his captaincy yet and i know there's some people saying um, that, you know, if he's not going to be playing every game, oh, I can't see him being dropped at the moment. If he's getting fourth in our best and fairest, he'd have to drop off significantly at the moment um, to, to warrant having the captaincy stripped from him. And I don't think it's a discussion for the moment. I can't see it happening this year. As you say, it's a Jay Clark special. Um, you know, I worked in newspapers a long time and there's a real art to writing a story like that that doesn't is not based on anything uh, yet you know it ends up being highly sort of speculative uh, but you're right people have raised it on the forum before um, and Jones's position is interesting just in the sense that um, thanks mainly uh, to James Harms um, Jones has been pushed out of the starting midfield. Um, and, you know, found himself on a wing more often than not this year. Um, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see sort of how he has to adapt his game, um, you know, given the youngsters coming through. Petraka may or may not spend more time in the midfield next year, um, but you certainly think sort of, you know, Oliver Viney, uh, Harms and Brayshaw uh, are ahead of Jones. Uh, yeah, and I, I think uh, Jonesy's role is definitely going to change. He'll play more on the wing. He'll might play more on the half back, like in a in a Jordan Lewis type role, as Jordan sort of maybe transitions out of the team at some stage um, towards the end of his career or at the end of his career. Um, so, uh, look, I, I wouldn't be changing anything now. I think the fact that Viney didn't play a full season this year, I don't think... Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't think you could... Yeah, we don't know what's happening with it, with his foot. Um, hopefully everything's good now, but um, we know with that injury, things can flare up. Um, so you wouldn't want to have Viney out for half the year, Jones, uh, strip Jones' captaincy. I don't think it's the right time to do, to do that. Uh, no, not at all. And look, he finished, uh, it was fourth, I think, wasn't it, in the yes. best and fairest? Yeah. So the FD don't think it's time to go either. No. Um, they rate his, uh, not just his game, but his leadership, I'd imagine. So I can't see it happening. And look, that uh, this year, no. That article, uh, they highlighted five teams which could have captaincy issues or calls that needed right. to be made, and we were one of them that they thing, and they decided to lead with that uh, with us uh, on that on that front. But uh, yeah. no, I think there's 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 no smoke, there's no fire, there's there's nothing. I don't think the 
the club is facing a delicate captaincy call on Jones and certainly uh, not yet. And and you know what? I, I, I can't, you know, if this is... If we if we stripped him of the captaincy, were to win a win a premiership, and uh, no, that's getting well well ahead of myself. And uh, but I can't imagine Jones not being the one to to have his hand first on that cup. Um, we've got a call coming through, so let's uh, take this. Uh, good evening. Uh, you're on the air with Demonland. Uh, hey, who am I talking to? Oh oh what oh. oh. Sorry there, I had the volume down. Uh, good evening, how are you going? G'day, yeah. Um, excellent. It's the first time I've actually managed to listen to this live, so uh, my first opportunity to phone in. Oh, not a problem. Uh, so who am I talking to? Uh, it's, it's time. It's time. G'day, it's time. How, how are you going? And it is time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is time. I, uh, I, use that, um, I use that name many, many years ago when I first signed up. I don't know. Oh, 7 or 08 or something, and we've been waiting ever since, but it's looking like it's finally happening. Well, let's hope um, so. <laughs> a couple of things I wanted to say. The first was, I just think this is fantastic, what you guys are doing with the podcast. It's, it's one of the great things that Demonland's done. I think you guys are doing a great job, and um, it's just fantastic, the people from the club that have been prepared to come on and uh, the sort of information we've got. It's, it's just tremendous. Good yeah. on you guys. Yeah, no, thank you very much. Uh, um, yep. And I have to thank the club for 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 assisting us with getting the people on. Uh, they've always been very gracious uh, with their time and, um, yeah, really appreciate it. Um, yeah, thank you. It's fantastic. So I had a couple of things I wanted to, uh, to discuss. Yeah. Um, Given that we're very close to, uh, we're only a few days away now from the delisted free agents coming, that period coming to an end, and uh, you know that we're heading into the draft. I, I can't really remember a period like this one where we've got so many places on the list. Um, the the cut, the cull was probably deeper than than I expected, um, given where the list's at now and how much we're improving and. You know, I think it's very easy to get rid of players, but it's um, it's not necessarily that easy to get really good players in. And um, so I'm just interested that it, that we've cut so deep, and and given that we've got uh, four draft picks left, some of which are pretty late, yeah. And we um, we have to get at least four players onto the main list. Um, I, I thought we'd go a delisted free agent, but it's uh, it, that's looking. Less and less likely, although some seem to have been taken up in the last few days. I, I read just before that um, Thomas Bug uh, has been looked at very seriously at Carlton. So yeah. maybe there's still a few days to go. But um, yeah, I'm just who, I, I'm, I'm wondering what you guys are like thinking because um, you know, time. in order to f- the, the minimum that we have to do is uh, take four players in the draft um, onto our main list to bring it to 38. And then um, I believe we have to have a list of, I don't know whether it's 42 minimum or 44, but we'd be looking at having to go quite deep into the rookie draft, which I find very interesting given a few of the delisted free agents that might still be around. And uh, and then, you know, you've got to assume that who you're going to pick up that late in the rookie draft is going to be better than the people you've got rid of. And, and I'm just really surprised that that's where we're looking at this point. 
Uh, Grape Viney, you, you did, while uh, It's Time was talking, you asked him a question. Uh, do you want to repeat that? Who, who would you have uh, kept uh, It's Time? I'm presuming possibly Dom Tyson. Jesse's obviously a different uh, in a different category. But Dean Kent, would you have kept him or Bug? Um, who would have I kept? No, it's a really good question. Um, Dom Tyson, uh, as the... As the list has got better and as our skill has got better, there are a few people who started to stand out um, in terms of their skills. And I became very frustrated by Dom Tyson and I'm not sorry that he's gone. And I'm also not sorry that um, we've got a, a player that we desperately needed in terms of more or less the swap for Bruce. So no, I'm not sorry about him going. And I'm, I mean, there's not a, a particular player in, in that um, you know that group of players that I would have kept, but um, I mean it's really a matter of who is out there that we're going to get that's going to be better than the players we're going to get rid of. So if you look at the bottom end of that, I am a bit sorry about Dean Kent, but um, I can I, I gather that was a bit his driven by him and the lack of opportunity and wanting to go into the midfield. Um, I don't think that was ever the type of player that he was, and I think that he. I'll be interested to see how it goes at St Kilda, but um, you know it's a bit like Jeremy Howe leaving Melbourne because he didn't want to play in the back line and five games in ending yeah. up in the back line forever at Collingwood. Um, I think you know you might leave a team, but it, there's no guarantee that the outcome's going to be what you want. Um, I'm not sure that Dean can. He doesn't strike me as a, an on-baller really. He's more that kind of uh, burst player. But yeah, I'm sorry that he's gone. I'm. I'm very, very happy that Vandenberg didn't go. Um, I'd have been very disappointed if that had happened. Uh, but Buck, um, you know, plays a role. I mean, it's depth, isn't it? It's depth. So there's not any of those players that have that we've got rid of that, um, uh, you know, that are uh, first 22 players. But having said that, um, they're depth players, and whoever we get in has got to be you know, have a, a, a great um, um, upside to them, I, I guess, in the next few years. But um, I feel that we've become a little bit weak in our depth now outside the, the top 22. Yeah. A, um, that's my concern. A Carlton supporter today asked me uh, about uh, Tom Bug. Uh, they had read the article that he was training with uh, the Blues um, and they said, well, how is he? And I said, look, I've always liked him, but at the moment he's purely in there as depth if we've got injuries um, so I agree with you. Um, I, I feel that perhaps we we might be lacking in depth. Um, yeah, that could be an issue. But I don't think. Uh, having said that, I don't think uh, we're going to be pushing for for premiership success if we've got um, some of those players that they might have left um, uh, the Kents and the Bugs in yeah, in the, the twenty two. The other thing is you can't judge it until after the end of the draft and the rookie draft and. Uh, when all the time is up for trading and free agent delisting and etc. Um, but also, uh, West Coast last year um, had 13 changes to their list. That's between 2017 and 18, um, and went on to win the premiership this year. So, um, making sort of you know, uh, uh, I, yeah, I, I don't think the number of changes that we made is so extreme um, as it might seem, uh, given that, you know, West Coast, um, uh, you know, proved to be fine with it. 
Yeah, no, I, I that was certainly a case in point. I, I was really surprised. I, I did uh, look that up and see that. And uh, they did go very deep and it. It worked out extraordinarily well for them. It's, um, but it was a bit different also because they had uh, a bunch of players that were sort of right at the end of their careers, whereas we've moved them on. And, and I totally agree with you. It, I mean, I don't have a... I don't have an issue with any of the players that have been, you know, delisted uh, or traded out. I, I'm just uh, hopeful that the net result, as you say, we, and we won't know that for a while, is that um, the list ends up stronger, you know. And uh, so, in order for it to end up stronger, we we can't really. I, I wouldn't want to see us recruiting eight kids um, who are unlikely to start playing next year. So I, I'm going to be really intrigued to see how many um, players that we draft, for instance, might be a couple of those Casey guys, um, a few of the people that, um, you know, might, uh, that there might be 18, 18, there might be 23 or 24. Uh, I was reading an article about some of the players that are in the VFL, you know, the more mature age players. Um, and I read the name of one guy. He's only 19, but they were a bit surprised he didn't get picked up last year. And he's a, a ruck forward. Uh, a bit like Josh Jenkins, apparently, and we're pretty into him um, at 19, so he'd have a few years to develop. But uh, yeah, I'm really going to be interested, really, really interested. I'm, I'm wondering, do you guys, have you guys heard anything about that? You know, what, what's your feeling about where we're at the moment with that? Um, I'm I'm sort of in the same boat as you. I, I thought we might have a look at some delisted free agents. I'll ask you: Were there, were there any guys that were on the market as a delisted free agent that you would have uh, would have liked us to to have a nibble at? Um, look, I'm I'd be in a minority on this, and, and I, I can see why we wouldn't have. But I think the the upside from if we got Menzel for you know a small amount of money on a one year contract. With the the quality of his um, his goal kicking ability, I know that sort of flies in the face of the whole philosophy around our defensive pressure. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, I saw an interview with Adam Ramanowskis, his agent, who was saying that a lot of that w- was fairly harsh because it was the way he was asked to play, um, which wasn't a defensive role, but. So I don't know how how true that is, but I also read somewhere that he has the worst defensive acts of any player in the entire league as yeah, a forward. Forget so, Menzel, there was no way Goodwin is ever going to take a player like Menzel. Um, no. Just not going to in the face of the philosophy, but you know, in terms of the skill that he would have brought and the potential there, um, I mean, he was, he'd be one, rather than some kid at, at, on, in the fourth round of the rookie draft or something, uh I would have had a look at him, but um, not, you know, Townsend maybe. Um, and now when you say, when I say this, it's really a matter of, again, looking at, um, you know, we, we sort of don't know at this point because we don't know what they're thinking. But, you know, the net result you want to see is that the players that come in are better than those D or, or there's a strategy of them in long-term development that's better than any of the D-listed free agents at the moment and uh, we don't know the answer to that but uh, on the face of it um, I know they've looked at is it Partington from oh, there's some talk of I think the West Coast Eagles oh, I'm not even familiar with him but um, this I'm not even sure if that's his name but then I, that, that's just one other the only one I'd heard of that we've, we might have any interest in 
Yeah, I'm not, um, I'm not too sure about yeah, it's that. It's a hard one, isn't it? Uh, with the men's, then, uh, I was just going to say, just on before we go off the menzel thing, the the only reason I wanted to sort of maybe have a have a nibble at him was that um, he's 40 goals a year. We just lost a 40, 50 goal a year player. Um, but then again, I agree with Great Viney. I don't think maybe he doesn't fit in with the philosophy. Yeah, yeah, and I, I can see that. I can see that. But it's just skill. You know, yeah. what I want to see in the playing, the next group of players that come in, is that, that what we're going to hear about more than anything is that their their skill level is uh, is going to raise you know, the skill level of the team. That's the thing I'm worried about. And and, and, and on that topic, um, and just following on from the conversation you guys were having about uh, the captaincy and, and Nathan Jones, I, I watched a couple of the replays uh, in the last few weeks of the Essendon game, round six, uh, the Adelaide game. And I must say, the thing that re- I, I have a real worry about how Nathan Jones is, is going at the moment. I know he finished fourth in the BNS, but... It's just the skill. It's the decision making and the skill, and particularly that that final kick inside the fifty, which to me is the last missing plank of our game plan that that really needs some work. And um, I just thought that um, you know when you see those replays, I'm just worried about the um, sorry, one second here about the the game starting to uh, maybe getting a little bit past him. Um, I know, he's, you know, we can't question his contest. And the thing that worries me about that is he's the absolute heart and soul. I mean, he's the Robbie Flower of this era. It's, you know, the romanticism of having Jones there. I can't imagine that not, not being the case. And I think we've learned our lesson from what happened to James McDonald. Yeah. You don't, you've got to treat these players with an enormous amount of respect and no one suffered more than, than Jonesy has. And I just, I really hope and pray that he, he kind of comes good a bit. And, and he seems to know it too. So I remember hearing uh, Daisy Pierce on SEN, I think it was after the West coast, the, the week after the West coast game. And she was saying she went up after the game as the boundary rider to interview him. And he, and he said to her, what are you coming up to me for? I've, I've had a really bad game you know, sort of uh, talking about that. And so he, I'm sure he's aware of it, but uh, there's a bit of work to be done on, on his, um, you know, his delivery. That's my feeling. And the, the other player that frustrates me in that, that level is A&B, who I know is loved because of his effort, but gee, frustrates me. Yeah, he does. I uh, about you guys? Uh, I'd look, I, with A&B, I, I think he's more suited as uh, a f- Forward than more than in the than in the midfield. Um, I think he's better sort of around goals, uh, getting closer to goals. Um, seems to be able to do that. But yeah, I, I can see what you're saying. Uh, I think with Jonesy, it's uh, I think my my heart is <laughs> leading my head uh, in that uh, in that argument of, of what uh, to do with Jonesy. Um, is there anything else? Uh, it's time you want to bring up. No, no, not at this stage. I'm just—I'd be interested to see what you guys. I mean, get get your feeling on where we're at with our, um, with what we've done with the list and, and where we're heading with it, and, and if you've heard any of anything about any players that uh, we might be into. Uh, look, I, I um, have any suggestions. I haven't heard anything official <laughs> or otherwise. I haven't heard any uh, snippets. Uh, I don't think we might not know until um, perhaps the boys start training. I think they start training the first to four years. Uh, start on Monday. 
Uh, we might know then when someone turns up at training. Um, uh, Great, Viney, you've have you heard any whispers anywhere? Uh, no, no, no. No, I think it's going to be a matter of uh, seeing who turns up on. Uh, if we've got anyone training with us on on Monday that uh, we're not familiar with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we'll see. And and and, um, and KK Collegesney will be uh, going to be very interesting to see how he goes. Very, very hopeful. Um, that he's going to be that link man with that, um, you know, with the good skills uh, leading in uh, into the forward, that final kick into the forward and 50, or if not, if he's in the half-back line, he might release someone like a Salem uh, more up the ground to to offer that skill as the, the delivery inside 50. Well, if, it, um, if you're talking about delivery inside 50, uh, with uh, the inclusion of Lever coming back into the team, with May going into the team, if, if Colin Jasny can get up and, and start, you know, playing the form that he had in his first couple of years and get over the uh, concussion and neck issues that he's had. Uh, Bailey Fritch, uh, I'm sure, will move up the ground and uh, he's got beautiful delivery. So, um, Yeah, good point. Good point. So, so let's let's hope uh, that happens. Um, um, yeah, but uh, other than that, uh, anything else? Uh, it's time before we move on. Uh, no, no, just going to be very interested to see um, how Gary Perth settles in, um, and whether we start to see some initiatives coming in uh, under his uh, leadership. Um, I'm I'm very excited about him coming in. But I just think he's. Uh, expertise in uh, in being in a club that had all the facilities that could be state-of-the-art in terms of developing memberships and uh, membership initiatives. It'll be very interesting to see, um, you know, what what he brings to the club uh, in, in terms of uh, that being the lifeblood of the future of the club, really. So, uh, and of course, uh, what's going to happen with facilities and everything in the next few years. A very exciting combination not just in what Peter Jackson's achieved with the team and the and the playing list and the, the football department and the facilities etc but uh, you know the money that there's suddenly been created right back to the Gardner uh, administration with uh, the Bentley Club and the money that's coming and the Oakley Club and this money that we've suddenly got for setting up the future of the club is going to be very exciting to see what the, you know what the decisions are in the next year or two. Yeah, absolutely great. I, I think that uh, Pert. I think one of the first things they've got to do. We we don't have a back of the jumper uh, sponsor. I think we've lost. Um, was it I select? Uh, I select. Yeah. So that that's that's a, a big one. I think he's got to get in. But um, yeah, the, the, the future looks bright, and let's hope it can continue that way. Um, thank you very much for the call in tonight. Um, it's time. No worries. And thank you guys for um, and keep up the good work. Thank you. Appreciate appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Uh, that was It's Time, a uh, member of uh, the Demonland.com uh, uh, forum. Um, great Viney. Um, uh, I was just having a look to see what else um, what else we can discuss tonight. Uh, I, I, look, we've got the, uh, the the draft coming up, and the, uh, look, we're not, we don't have a pick. When's our first pick? Pick twenty three. So it's it's sort of pointless. Uh, it's almost like, and I'm sure they've got their, as Josh Marnie mentioned, they've got their eye on a couple of players. Uh, but I don't think it's it's so far down the uh, the 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 pick line 
that uh, it's going to be hard for us to uh, to uh, predict who we're going to get. So uh, we might just have to wait till after the draft and uh, hopefully uh, we can get on uh, Jason Taylor again like we did last year and um, sort of get uh, from the horse's mouth, um, you know, what's happening there. Yeah. Um, was there anything else, uh, anything you wanted to, no, to bring it's, up? No, uh, it's, it's pretty quiet days on the board and uh, board is the word, really. <laughs> yeah, well. It's, wanted to start again. That's right. Uh, well, it's, it, that's what happens this time of year until, until the draft, until the boys start training, uh, which they do on Monday, as we said. Uh, yeah, there's, it's sort of the quiet time uh, of the year. All the players are away and they're all coming back now. And it'll be uh, it'll be great. Uh, all the track watchers will be back out there on on Monday, I'm sure, and in the coming weeks, and we'll bring you uh, as many reports as we can uh, through Demonland.com. So stay tuned. All right, I think uh, I think with that we'll we'll uh, we'll put an end to this. It was always going to be a shorter show. Um, so great, Viney. We'll uh, we'll be back. Uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, when is the draft? Uh, 22nd or 23rd, I think. Yeah, I think, we, well, it actually starts on the, uh, starts on the 22nd, but we're not, we don't, we won't see any action. Weeks. That's right, we won't see any action until the 23rd. So uh, I think that's on a, a Thursday or something. We might, we'll come on, we'll jump on the week after there. And, um, yeah, we'll talk about who we bring in. Another, the new Bailey Fritch, the new Charlie Spargo, um, it'll be good. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Great Viney, for joining me tonight. Uh, thank you to Josh Marnie. Thank you to the Melbourne Football Club for getting us, Josh. And, um, yeah, we'll be back in a couple of weeks.